Welcome to the first ever podcast for Gardening with E. I'm not really sure why I decided to start uh, doing a podcast, but I have a blog that I started when my son was younger, and after taking a break for a couple of years after my daughter was born, uh, I've just picked it back up recently and thought might as well give podcasts a try because I, mean, I enjoy listening to people's podcasts about gardening and thought maybe someone might like hearing mine. Now, I was never a successful blogger, but that wasn't why I did it in the first place. See, my son Ethan, a.k.a. Big E, wanted to do a YouTube about our gardening, and I wasn't comfortable with him having his face out there for the whole wide world to see, so we struck a compromise and started the blog. He enjoyed doing it, and so did I, and then he kind of started getting out of it about the time that uh, Emily, or little E, was born. So, um, we just took a break from it. Now, little E is uh, three and a half, and she has become very fond of gardening as well. So, I thought it would be a good time to return to the blog, and um, like I said, thought I'd give podcasts a try as well. I've always grown up around gardens. All my grandparents came from large families, as in double-digit siblings. Um, so, every year, they would get out and plant huge gardens because that's how they were raised. If their parents didn't garden and they didn't garden, then people weren't going to have food. They were raised either at the tail end of the Depression or right after in the middle of East Tennessee where pretty much everyone just worked hard to take care of themselves and, and their neighbors because there wasn't a lot here. There still isn't a ton here, but there's more than there was. So there's actually a lot of people in my area who have pretty huge gardens. Um, you know, back then, and some people now, they would tote water to wash their clothes, they'd raise their own animals to slaughter, and make stuff out of whatever they could find. Uh, we like to say we're a good, hardy people, and I think that kind of stuck with me as I grew up. I remember uh, my great-grandmother, I think she was probably in her 80s around this time, and uh, she asked me to <laughs> cook her some okra someone had brought by for her because I knew she loved loved eating from the garden still but uh, was not in shape to have her own anymore. And I had really no idea what to do with it. So I just sort of cut it in half and stuck it on the stove <laughs> and cooked it. I'm not really sure. It probably tasted well. But she didn't care because she had raised all these kids with the Depression and food was food to her. Um... I just like hearing stories from all of my grandparents, and it makes me, you know, kind of feel connected now. Uh, when my son was about probably three, we decided to try and garden. Now, for me, a garden isn't the same thing. To me, what I have time for and energy for is small. And when we began gardening, it was really small. We had a flower bed in the front, and... For some reason, I'm not the best with flowers. This year seems to have turned a little bit of a corner and that most of the flowers I planted are still alive. But um, that's not always been the case. So I decided to try a few things that I had helped with in the garden when I was young. So we had like a tomato plant and a cucumber plant and a pepper plant. I don't even remember what else we had. Um, but we really didn't know much. <laughs> We uh, have clay soil here. It's hard. It, it, it's terrible. It's not really great to grow in. Um, 
I'm still battling it in um, uh, one area that I, I dug up more recently. Um, it's it's still a battle there. So, um, But it took me a long time to realize that, A, I need to do something about the clay soil, and B, that there were a lot of options for dealing with it. So my son and I just did all this research together, and we tried a little bit of everything. Uh, we tried lasagna gardening, where you take different... Uh, materials like leaves and, and stuff like that and just sort of layer it on there kind of like composting but leaving it uh, we tried digging trenches and uh, putting vegetables in those areas so that it would be more fertile uh, we also mixed in better soil um, just you know, whatever we could try and do. I would cover cover it, the garden every winter with all the fall leaves and things like that. So finally it sort of paid off. Uh, but I won't forget that first garden, even though it was kind of terrible when I look back at it. But we waited and waited to finally have something to harvest. Because as you know, um, I didn't think to plant things that would like harvest sooner, like I didn't plant very much lettuce or radishes or anything like that. So when this first cucumber is ready, I'm I'm ready to eat it. Like, I'm excited. I let it grow a little larger than I personally like because my son was excited he wanted a big cucumber. So we pick it, and then my son refused to eat it. Um, I was like, come on, this is, this is why we garden. And he's like, no, it has a name. And I'm like, what? It, yeah, it's cucumber. He's like, no, Mom. And he's dead serious looking at me. He's like five years old. His name is Roy E. Cucumber, and we will not eat him. So, needless to say, I have all these photos of my son carrying around a cucumber for about a week because he was convinced it was his new best friend. Finally, he went to his grandmother's house, and he didn't come back with Roy E. Cucumber. And then I was like, look, we can't keep all the things we grow if we want to eat anything we grow. And trust me, you want to eat things that you grow. It tastes so much better than what you get from the store because it's fresh. It's, it's just better. And I finally convinced him of that. And now we don't really have that problem anymore. Um, and with little E, she does not care. She has not named any of her vegetables, thankfully. Uh, she just eats them. Our garden has grown through the years to include um, a section in the back is what we did next because there was kind of already a like a little area there where they had had things before I bought the house. And then I dug down the side of the house, which probably was not a good call. Uh, it, it needs a lot done to it still. Um, still pretty clay soil and some things are growing okay in the ground and some things I have in, in containers out there. But we also did a, a little area that we made as a circle because my son wanted it. And so we tore out this huge bush and all this stuff, and now it's overgrown again. So I, I just don't know if I want to face that battle again. I did that one when I was pregnant with my daughter. It's kind of how I found out because I was so exhausted. And I was like, surely fighting this bush is not making me this tired. And uh, lo and behold, a lot of that was that I was in the early stages of pregnancy, but now she's heard the story about said circle garden, and she's sad we don't have one, so I guess I'll be expanding another area. I think this time, though, I'm going to try out some of the those uh, circle bed pot things, so the big bed mini or whatever, 
um, and just kind of see how that goes so I can decide where to put it. We live on a hill. I probably don't mention that. So finding good planting spaces is not easy either. Um, but needless to say, my gardens are nothing like my grandparents' gardens, and that's okay. We still like to talk about gardening. Uh, we like trying new things. They like giving me advice. I like taking the advice. I like telling them what I'm doing. My grandpa brings us a tomato plant every year. I think he was extra excited this year because my daughter was just so happy. That's all she would tell people is my papa Bill brought me a tomato plant. Um, so it's just made him really happy about it, and she's been excited about it. I'm excited because we have uh, four other tomato plants. Uh, a couple are making tomatoes now, and we've eaten some off of there. And there's one that has some blooms, but the tomatoes haven't ripened yet. There's another one that just now started blooming, so it's a little behind the others. And then we have the one from my papa uh, that just got its first bloom this week. So I'm hoping that means I can have tomatoes spaced out because they are one of my favorite things to eat from the garden. Um, so... Uh, I've decided to pick it all up again, like I said, because little E is into it. She's a little less clingy than she was before. I can get a few things done. I have a little bit of time to myself to do things like the blog and maybe this podcast. So um, I hope you guys will join us in this new journey of different gardening things. It's untelling where we'll go in it. I like to, like I said, try all kinds of things. I'm not an expert. And I don't really expect anyone to lis who listens to me to be an expert. I think everyone that gardens knows each year is different. It's all its own unique journey. Your weather could be really dry one summer and completely rainy the next. Or be like this summer where I'm at where it's hot. And then you have like three days of super rain. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to kill my plants. And then it's a drought again. And then it's super rain. And um, you don't really know what to wish for anymore because both are making things difficult, but the garden's going. Um, things I might want to talk about are stuff I've done in the past and whatever I'm trying or what I would like to try. Um, so some of the things off the top of my head I'd like to talk about a little bit is gardening with kids, winter sowing your seeds, composting, uh, using the no-dig method, fall gardening versus spring gardening, and just stuff like that. So if you'd like to make a few suggestions, head on over to my blog, Gardening with E at Blogspot, and leave a comment somewhere letting me know. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this short introduction. There will be um, some more coming up soon. Happy gardening, everyone! Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Gardening with E. And today I want to talk about gardening with kids. Now for me, kids means, could mean any age. Uh, I have a three-year-old and a 13-year-old. So I have some experience with the young kids and the in-between and early teenagers. I don't have first-hand experience of teenager teenagers, um, but I can always add that on later as my son gets older. Probably one of the most important things to remember about gardening with children is to space out uh, plants that will mature at different times. So for example, you want to have some that are quick like lettuce and and uh, spinach and radishes and things like that. Then you want to have some that are a little bit longer like tomatoes and cucumbers and things like that. 
But when my kids were young, like when Ethan was young, and then when now, while Emily is young, gardening was such a fun experience. Like, toddlers are perfect. Once they're old enough to, like, help, they think that, A, they're pretty awesome because they can help. And B, they take real ownership of what is grown, and it's really exciting for them anything that they harvest. So I try to make sure that there's something to pick often so that she can be excited about it. Um, now we're kind of in full swing. So we we have a ton of squash. We have zucchini, we have yellow, uh, crooked neck squash, we have patty pan squash. And all of those are pretty fun for her because they look different, they taste a little different, and um, they're different colors. So for young kids, different colors is pretty exciting. So if you're growing carrots, maybe get a, a packet that's mixed so that you can have some regular looking carrots, some red carrots, some purple carrots, some white carrots. They think that's really neat. We grew potatoes this year. So I got uh, seed potatoes, I guess, the ones that are actual potatoes, not the true potato seed, and it had different colors in it. So tonight, we had a nice surprise. I was moving one of the squash plants over because it was it was lay, starting to grow over where I had my potatoes, and um, I felt a potato under there, so we went ahead and dug them up, and we had red and purple potatoes, and my daughter was so excited that she would take each potato to her dad behind her back and to surprise him because she thought it was just I can't really describe how excited she was it was she was awestruck by the fact that we grew purple potatoes and um, it was just really fun that's the great thing about toddlers it can be exasperating sometimes with toddlers because um, your garden is not going to be well thought out or or perfectly spaced or anything like that uh, but it's really fun because they just love the whole thing. They like digging in the dirt. They like planting the seeds. They like watering it. They really love harvesting it. Um, it's just amazing to do. Now, when my son got a little bit older, he wasn't so much into um, the planting part because he had already done that. He thought that was a little boring, but he liked to plan it out. He liked to help me pick which crops to plant, and he liked to help me decide where we should put them. So it kind of evolved a little bit. And now that he's a teenager, it's more that he wants to find cool plants for his sister and wants to make sure that I'm growing plants that he likes. And he takes some interest in, in new ways to trellis things that are climbers. So remember that, you know, while it's really fun when they're toddlers, it can still be fun in a different way as your kid gets older. You can still keep them as, as part of the process. Whether it's exactly like you were picturing it or not, it can still be a fun way to bond. So, one of the exciting things about gardening with children is that bonding part for me. Like, that's a big part of why I do it. I get to watch them grow as we garden. So, my daughter has learned so much from gardening uh, about how, how you plant them and how they grow and what you need to do to help them grow and so now she knows that plants need water they need sunlight they get stuff from underground nutrients from the soil and then a lot of them will bloom and you got to watch the blooms to see if they get pollinated and if they do then you see what is growing 
So um, that's been really neat. It also is nice that you can fall back on that when your kid gets older to do things like science projects. My son has done several of his school science fair projects based on plants. So like grow lights versus no grow lights, um, how much sunlight things need. He's also done different varieties to see if, if they grow differently or better. So he likes to incorporate that into school now. So that's always nice that you have something because uh, if you're like me you're going to have seeds laying around and you're going to have potting soil laying around so if a science project comes up and you realize you don't have as much time as you thought you did to complete it um, you can always pick something quick like we did radishes one year um, and I don't remember what that was that might have been the grow light year like grow light versus no grow light uh, versus no light and um, so it was nice because we had the things on hand to do it. So we didn't have to run out and buy that much, except for like the poster board and some new markers. <clears throat> and it just made the whole thing that much simpler, <laughs> like much less stressful than some of the other projects that he has done for school. So we loved it. Uh, we love gardening. We love getting that knowledge and being able to use it. So it's not just growing food that your family can enjoy, that you grow on your own, although I, I like that part too because, you know, if you try to buy organic in the store, it's pretty expensive. And I'm not super worried about organic. I'm more worried about are we getting enough fruits and vegetables in our diet. But for people who that's a huge concern for, growing your own can be rewarding in that way. But um, with kids, keep in mind that uh, you've got to keep it fun. <laughs> Uh, and it may not, like I said before, go the way that you thought. So if you have a type A personality, you want to make sure that you give them their own area to plant and that you have your own area to plant. If you don't mind, uh, then just let them go at it. I usually just let them go at it. So, for example, this year my garden looks a little silly. Um, it doesn't look like a super well thought out garden, mainly because my daughter planted beans everywhere. So... Um, where I planted my tomatoes, there are beans growing around and up the tomatoes. There are beans growing with the cucumbers. There are beans growing by themselves in random places of random things. Um, there's beans growing in the corn, which we did plan. Um, <clears throat> but there's just beans everywhere. There's beans growing under the grapevine. There's lettuce growing between um, like our walkway and our garden bed. It's like this little crack but somehow we have like three lettuce things growing and she'll just go pick some lettuce leaves and eat them and pick a few of the baby tomatoes and eat them and then run around the side of the house and get some peas and eat those so just remember it's not going to be picture perfect and your garden is probably not going to look like one in a magazine so if that's important to you then you need to make sure you give them their own little space so this year, um, we're going to do a fall garden. And so she was sad because when I was pregnant with her, actually right before I found out I was pregnant with her, we decided to turn this area on the top of her hill into a circle garden because I had this big plan about like a corn maze type thing, which didn't even work out, but it's fine. <laughs> we dug that bad boy up and dug out the shrub and everything and had this garden and it was good. My son loved it. He liked planting it. He liked actually helping plant it. He helped dig out um, the shrub. 
so, I mean, that's some great memories to have. But now it's grown up because I found out pretty much right after we did that that I was pregnant. And then I just really didn't have time to keep up with everything for the first little bit because uh, little E was a little more clingy than Biggie ever thought about being, which is fine. I'm really going to miss it because she's getting older and a little less clingy, and it kind of makes me sad. But it did mean doing some things was just really hard for a few years. And then last year we had a little garden, but I didn't do as much. She wasn't as big and as good at helping, and so it was more of a hindrance than a help. So I planted less things so that we could keep that um, not stressful and enjoy it. So this year it's been nice to come out and make a garden, but she's sad she's never had a circle garden because she's heard us talk about it. And um, I ordered her a um, big bed mini. It's from the same people that do the smart pots. Uh, I've never used smart pots, uh, but I've heard good things about them. So I'm going to give this a shot. It's purple. We're going to fill it up and let her have her very own fall garden um, so that I can cover up some areas in the garden that need good amendment and then use a, a few other little small areas to plant a few fall things, but also let her have her own free reign of what she wants to do and what she wants to plant and grow. Um, she's helped me pick out all manner of seeds. I'm not sure where we're going to put all these seeds, to be honest. I guess we'll find somewhere. And that's kind of part of the joy of it, is that they get excited about what they're going to grow. And you can really go out on a limb and try new things that you may not have tried before. Um, so look around. Uh, look online. Order some fun colors or some fun shapes or just something completely off the wall that will grow in your area and give it a shot. You know, some of our things didn't work out as well. And that's okay. Like, our corn looks really spindly. And um, we picked one ear today. And while it was, all the kernels were there. They were really small and sad looking. And I told Emily that sometimes in gardening, things don't work out. We had to pull up one of the pumpkin plants because it was getting some powdery mildew. And I just didn't want that to spread everywhere because all she wants to do is have a pumpkin for Halloween. And I saw one pumpkin so far that has um, pollinated and is growing on the vines that we have. I'm sure there will be more, but since I know there's at least one, I did not want that one to get <clears throat> anything. I didn't want anything to happen to it. I didn't want it to get the powdery mildew. Um, I'm really keeping an eye on it because I'm like, oh, please let this one pumpkin grow. Like, I'll be happy if we only have one pumpkin that grows. And that, that's, that's the thing, you know, I'm not as worried uh, about, like, what I get out of the garden. I'm more worried about what my kids get out of the garden. But it is also um, personally gratifying. I like coming out in the morning and checking on my garden. I like watering it. It just makes me feel closer to nature, even though I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. So I am in nature, but it just brings me closer. It reminds me of my childhood. It reminds me of, um, you know, when I was young and we would garden or I would go walk in the woods, which I don't do now because I don't live by my own woods that I own, so I can't just go wandering up in this, in woods that are near me because they're par private par private property. So it just makes me feel close to nature, and I like to pass it on to my kids so that they can want to feel close to nature and connected. Um, so that's another great thing about gardening is that it makes them that much closer to the process of growing food and, or growing plants. You don't have to do food. You can always do flowers. 
you can grow um, different flowers with your kids and that's just as rewarding because I still see things grow um, they get to see the beautiful colors and and um, be excited about it that's the main thing your kids are going to be super excited especially the young ones about gardening and that's going to create great memories you know my son still talks about things we did when he was younger and we were gardening and even though he helps now like I said in a different way he likes to plan the garden and pick new varieties for his sister and so it's different but it's it still continues that bond and it still continues great memories so get out there and either let your kids go wild or <laughs> pick a small space for them to do it in and just go for it if you don't have an outdoor area you can always do a container gardening inside or on your patio or balcony or deck or whatever you've got um, near a sunny window even there's a lot you can grow in containers um, you can grow potatoes in containers, you can grow tomatoes, you can grow cucumbers, peppers. I haven't tried squash. They're pretty big and pumpkins. I just don't think that would work. I could be wrong. I guess you could look it up and see if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like that would, those would probably be a little more not so great ideas. But you can grow peas and you can grow beans and you can grow lettuce and radish and kale and, and all sorts of things in containers if if that's what space you have, then, you know, do what you have. That's fine. It doesn't have to be. I know that when, especially with my son, when it was my first child, I wanted everything we did to be perfect because that's what you see everywhere. You see the perfect family doing the perfect things. All the things they do look amazing and like it was effortless for them and, and they just know everything and they're experts already. And that's, that's fine. I'm glad some people can do that. Uh, if you're one of those people, then all manner of props to you. But my stuff is a little more chaotic. It doesn't look perfect. It, generally, it doesn't go perfect. And that's okay. My kids still appreciate it, and they still enjoy it, and they still love it. And, and that's what matters, isn't it? So um, I hope everyone learned a little today about some tips to garden with your kids. You know, keep it fun. Keep it exciting. Um, let them be a part of the process, whatever part it is that they're wanting to play. Let them help plan or pick the veg pick what they're going to grow. Let them plant it if they want to. Definitely let them harvest it. Just go out there and enjoy it and make great memories. Happy, gar happy gardening, everyone. So I know I've talked about gardening with my kids and how my youngest little E, little Emily, had planted seeds everywhere, especially beans. So at this point, while I don't have actual beans growing out of my ears yet, I think that's gonna come in the next few weeks because there's a lot of blooms on there and and I probably might have uh, enough to make something with by now, except every time she's a bean, she pulls it off no matter what size. So I've been trying to explain to her that we only need to look on certain days for the beans because if we harvest all the beans we'll never get to eat the beans but um, they are growing everywhere uh, I have them growing with my tomatoes because I, I planted three of the tomatoes pretty close together so I could use the same support system for all three of them and then I have another one that's in a pot where there are no beans because that came along a little later and then I have one in a planter um, and so that's raised up off the ground 
and uh, I actually overwintered that tomato plant because it came up as a volunteer at the end of a summerish fall. And so over the winter, I just sort of overwintered it in a pot so that I would get a nice little head start. And somehow that thing is still producing. I got to thinking um, the other day that it was nearing the end of its life, surely. But when I went out to look, because I was trying to make um, plans for the fall garden, it has still got tomatoes on it, not that many, but it's got a ton of blooms and new growth. And so I was like, well, I guess it's gonna keep on ticking. So I guess it's the longest I have grown a tomato plant. It's a year old at this point. Uh, bless its little heart. I don't know how it keeps doing it. It's just in this, I don't remember what the brand was. It was something we actually bought at the local like hammers. And so um, it was, I don't even know what the name of it was. I just know that it's it's got a bottom support. It's like a squarish shape. And in that you can put sand or water to kind of hold it down. And then on each corner it's got um, little poles that are more like in a square pole shape. Kind of like those cheap shelves that you can get and put together. And then on the top it's just got this planter thing that sits on it. And I guess I'll try to take measurements for you at some point so you can know like how deep and how wide it really is. But, I mean, I just didn't think for sure that it would even make it through the winter and be a viable plant come spring. And actually, this winter, it had a few blooms. It's just there was nothing really there to pollinate it. So, it, nothing really happened with it. It just would bloom and the blooms would fall off. But it has been going strong ever since I put it out early this spring as far as making me some tomatoes. It never makes like 20 tomatoes or anything like that. But it might grow like seven to ten at the same time um, and like i said right now it's got about three or four actual tomatoes we just picked a few off of it the other day in addition to that plus probably five or six blooms so to me that's sort of that tomatoes output and i have no idea what kind of tomato it is except that it grows yellow tomatoes that are not really large and they're not like tommy toe tomatoes so they're like a medium-sized little tomato they're a little bit meatier but they're not shaped and they're a circle so they're not really so much what i consider rumpet tomatoes so um anyway you never know when you if you have some plants here that um, are heat loving and you want to bring them inside then go for it because it could it could keep going for a while or it could just sort of do a little and then just explode for you and just grow forever apparently i am gonna have to pull it out eventually to put some fall things in and I, but i'm gonna be sad about it so i kind of hope it actually comes to the end of its little life cycle soon because it has provided me with plenty of tomatoes and it, it's just exceeded expectations I even saved some tomato seeds from it because I was just like, this little unknown volunteer here is rocking it out. But I digress. So there are uh, beans growing all in the tomatoes. There are beans just growing up these tomato cage supports and intermingling with a cucumber that sort of grew into the beans. And then those were at the side of my house where I planted some things in ground. The beans did make it in ground, unlike a lot of the things that I plant in that section that I haven't really been able to mend the clay soil at but they grew up up those tomato cage supports and then clung to the screen to one of the windows and then somehow found their way around the screen there were no holes in the screen it's just one of those little thin tendrils I suppose went around the screen and so I actually have some beans 
uh, like four or five beans growing in between the screen and the window. So I guess I need to rescue those at <laughs> But um, yeah, so there's beans just growing wild in that area. There are beans growing with our grapevine. There are beans growing up the corn stalks. It's really the only place I had planned to grow beans aside from a couple of bush beans here and there, which I do have scattered in random places in the garden. Um, but I don't know. They, my daughter was all about, she, I told the story before where she had just thrown all these these beans everywhere and they sprouted and then I had to dig them up out of the yard because she was having a, just a, a terrible fit about it. She was so sad. She didn't want the beans to like get my, ran over by the mower when daddy mowed. So, um, we did and they've made it and they're producing beans and they're starting to really produce beans. So I'm hoping I can get at least a few messes out of it. Which begs the question, why did everything turn into like messes? Stuff like that. I'm going to have to research that sometime and do a podcast on it. On the language of gardening or something. So if you'd like that, I mean, drop me a comment. Let me know and I will definitely do that. And then, um, also, you know, as I've spoken before, uh, we had squash everywhere too. Because I thought some of it was pumpkins and it wasn't. It was squash. And I guess my daughter planted squash and pumpkin seeds instead of just pumpkin seeds. So I had thinned out these pumpkins a lot. And so I really just have two good vines right now. But that's okay because we have a pumpkin on each one of them um, as of now. So, and one is starting to get orange and one is a little bit green. But so in the grapevine, there's like a pumpkin vine that has grown um, kind of in it. It's kind of climbed up and, and it's just all in there. Like the pumpkin, the second pumpkin, the younger pumpkin is very happy growing between the grape leaves. And there are beans growing up the grapevine and over the pumpkin vine. Uh, and then there's squash starting to sort of get into the grapevine area, which is partially my fault because I have not um, really made a support for my grapevine this year because I knew I had to cut it back a whole lot. There probably wasn't going to be very many. And that's true. I I'm only, really only have like three bunches hanging out on the vine right now ripening. So um, I would have had a few more. My daughter would tear them off when they were tiny and green and say, yay, look, there's grapes. And I was like, not now. <laughs> but, um... We had had our deck redone, and I have currently got the grapevine kind of up against. We've got a port, we've got a deck up top out of wood, and um, below that we have like a little concrete slab area, and it's got some buildup on it where you've got kind of like, I guess, shelving. Not really shelving, but I don't know what to call it. I use it to put like pots on, or grow my seedlings on, or I guess someday if we ever build us a little place for the lawnmower so it's not sitting there we'll probably you know make it a place to eat and hang out at but right now it just sort of houses things and um when we had the old porch I had something built for the grapevine and then it took forever for that porch to get done because there was other work going on at the same time like siding was being put on and um so last year I just sort of let it grow wild and then I cut it down not significantly um and then trimmed it again this year and so, um, I just let it grow wild this year because I plan on, you know, cutting it way, way, way down and moving it somewhere where I can build a support where it's not right up near the house and its roots have 
more space to grow because it's kind of hemmed in a little bit by concrete and a little brick wall anyway. And I think it, it would just be happier somewhere where it could spread out better. I would like to build it a nice pretty support and maybe put some blueberry bushes um, a little bit down on either side and sort of make a little permaculture area there in the backyard. But right now it's just home to, you know, pumpkins and grapes and beans at the same time. Um, really right now, the patty pan squash I have under the steps is the only thing that other than starting to creep up on the grapevine, uh, is really in a world of its own. Because the corn, while it did terrible this year, I didn't plant but a very small square of it. So I just think it's grown corn, it's just not a lot of it has been very um, pollinated well. So we'd have like half years of corn, years of corn, like only a few were usable, like maybe five or six, and the rest were just kind of like... I cut some off and cooked it with stuff, you know, like if I stuffed patty pans or peppers or something like that, but it wasn't really like a crop you could eat on and have big ears of corn on, except one time, so, um, but I think that's my fault, I didn't plant very many, I planted them in a little square like you're supposed to do, but I still think I probably needed about 10 more plants, because um, I have successfully grown corn in small patches, but I, I had it like in a circle or a spiral I guess I should say so that everything could touch you know could get pollen easier so um, they've got the beans growing up on them so they're not alone the corn's pretty much done but the beans are, are just now really going well um, got them out a little later than I had anticipated so that doesn't really surprise me and then uh, like I said the cucumbers keep mixing with the beans and stuff like that and uh, of course the tomato just it's got a cucumber vine growing in it it's got a squash vine the unknown squash vine I don't know what kind of squash it is I'll know when it gets you know ripe <laughs> and uh, growing behind it then it's got the three tomatoes and it's got green beans growing up it <laughs> now like I said it's got a little cucumber vine uh, that's actually has some cucumbers dangling from it now um, so I definitely know of a few things that I might need to improve on next year uh, since I'm going to have my daughter probably helping again if she's still interested which means there's liable to be things growing on top of each other again uh, yeah and when I had the squash and the potato plant real close together um, the squash was trying to go over with the potato that was it's just been crazy and of course I have strawberries in the front garden near those tomatoes that kind of spread out their little vines and they growth all the time and uh, I have to constantly keep them out of the other beds and try to keep them tame that's a good problem to have though because I've had the strawberries I put a few plants in every year but generally I don't lose very many plants so eventually that front bed will probably just be mostly all strawberries I try to keep a section of it to plant other things in a little bit in the back to have room to move things around like I said right now it's all just growing them up so I wondered if anyone else was in the same situation when you're gardening with your children. Does your garden turn into um, a, a rather interesting garden? I will say, while it's sometimes frustrating to have to look through all these different plants to find some green beans, <laughs> it is rather fun. And I think next year what I'll do is get those purple green beans my daughter wants so bad. And then if she mixes them in, I can at least find the beans a little bit easier. But uh, I will say, I know some people are big on interplanting and some people are big on like square foot gardening so they have to kind of interplant close together and cram everything in 
and some people are like, no, I'm going to do rows or sections of the same plant. So I wonder what everyone else's opinion on that is. I haven't had any problems with the growth of anything affected by that that I'm aware of. Um, I really think my corn was I just didn't have enough. And everything else did great until the squash got powdery mildew. You know, and even though the cucumber got some of that, I mean, once I got it sprayed with some neem, neem oil and uh, tore off the effective leaves, it seems to be doing fine. Like every now and then I see a leaf I need to take off that's sort of starting to get it again, but everything's producing just fine. Nothing is is like rotting on it or, or just not doing well or growing really small. So, I mean, I just wondered, has everybody else got the same problem? Um, it's a good problem to have. I think some things are growing better than others. Now I have done, um, since I do have a small garden, have often injured planted things or put in herbs or flowers like marigolds and, and things like that to keep the pests down. I did not have a chance to put the marigolds out this year, which is part of the reason I think I had a few more pest problems than before. But I will say my tomato plants, even though they have got a ton of things growing with them, really haven't had any pests. Um, the only thing I had the biggest problem with the pests were, were my broccoli. Uh, and I just pulled those stir-fry broccoli up and I'm gonna try some broccoli this fall to see if that keeps down on the pest edge. So I wonder if anyone else finds it more beneficial, even if it is a little more chaotic trying to find your uh, harvest and your yield. Do you enjoy all that excitement of looking for stuff in the garden or um, does that sort of drive you crazy? So that's my question for the day. Maybe somebody will send me a comment and response um, so I can see kind of where everyone stands on that. But thanks for listening today. Have fun with your garden, no matter if it's uh, like mine and going crazy and, and just everything everywhere, or if yours is very uh, regimented and, and well laid out. <laughs> Happy gardening, y'all. So today I'm gonna to talk a little bit about successes and failures in gardening. We all have years with bumper crops, even if you're only growing a few plants, you might have a year where those plants just did really well. Um, and then you have years where um, you're starting to think maybe you've developed a black thumb because nothing's going right or maybe a crop that usually does very well is just doing terrible. So, I mean, it just happens. Sometimes it's because we tried something new. Sometimes it's just because of the weather. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today here on our Gardening with Eat episode. So, there are some crops that I just don't grow well. I mean, it happens to the best of us. It could be your soil pH. It could just be the makeup of your soil. I've talked many times on this podcast and I mention it in my blog, that some of my soil just sucks. It's hard clay, East Tennessee soil. And while some things seem to grow okay here, uh, we tend to use a lot of amendments. So we may do fertilizer, we may do something organic, we may put bone meal in there, we may put leaves in there, we may layer our garden up through lasagna gardening, we, may, we might dig trenches and put vegetables in there. But there's a reason for that. Our soil just, it stinks. It's not good. And I know I can't be the only person with that problem, A, because it's pretty common where I live, but B, because it's also common in places where let's say you had your house built, I mean at some point your house got built, 
but a lot of times that soil just gets pushed up in some form or fashion and um, that it might just get impacted and it may not have a chance to grow much of anything and it just sort of loses all of its little microbial life and it, it just gets sad or maybe you've overused a certain gardening plot or you've used the same container dirt over and over without adding something to it you know soil can be a, a big problem when you're growing things if your soil is not happy and it's not something that you're going to be able to use well or that grow well in then it's not really usable soil it's just something that's kind of there um, so that happens to a lot of people that's one of the first things people should look for when they're having difficulties growing crops especially if it's just crops in a certain area or maybe it's your first garden or two and nothing did well even though you read all the packets to see what dates and when to put out and how much water um, you know it could simply be that your soil is very poor that it it may not be clay soil like mine but it might still need nutrients or it might be too sandy for something that you're growing you might need to mix plain old dirt in there um, you just you need to get one of those little pH meters I say that and I haven't really done it yet <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know um, do as I say not as I do kind of moment but it is advisable to get a pH meter so that you can see how much your soil needs you know different crops do better at different ph levels so um it might be that something grew very, very well there um you thought you amended it but then the next thing you you put there did not grow well it could just be the ph level was too high or too low so if you seem to have um, a problem with your crops a lot then check that soil uh, same thing goes for all the times you're throwing um reusing container container soil you know um you need to add something to it that's going to do it well. I am sort of more on the organic side. I don't really use very many fertilizers personally. I, I don't think it's a big deal if you do. I think that's a personal decision like a lot of things. Do what makes you happy. Um, although I, I do use it on occasion because sometimes they need it. Um, sometimes they're big feeders and like I said sometimes my soil is not so good so I do use it on occasion but I try as far as as a long-term solution I'm trying to build my soil up and I've done a lot of things with that I have done the lasagna gardening on a small scale and then I haven't really had enough material at one time to build up one huge bed but in the fall I always try to pick an area I'm not going to plant if I'm going to do a fall garden or occasionally I just abandon the idea of a fall garden altogether if I think my dirt really needs help. Because I have like three main areas I plant in. They're not large. Um, I do try to put some new dirt in when I'm planting uh, my plants in the spring and a little new dirt when I'm planting the ones in the fall. But this soil is getting used a lot and occasionally it just sort of needs a rest. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that can be a really great thing to do. Um, other times I have dug a trench in there and just thrown my vegetable peelings and then covered it up. I tried to dig it a little bit deep because I live in uh, the middle of nowhere and there are often a lot of animals like skunks especially and possums, neither of which am I fond of, but they, they do like to come around the yard. It's just where I live. I live near the woods. I live near a national park and uh, there's wildlife. <laughs> so, but my biggest concern is the skunks and the possums digging in, digging into the, the scraps. So I try to dig a decent, 
depth of a trench and then I just I just collect like a week's worth go out there dig my trench throw it in there and cover it up pretty good and that can be anything really that's not like meat and grease and stuff like that so I do vegetable peelings I do um, eggshells coffee grounds use tea bags um, sometimes I shred up some paper from all those million and one extra papers I have laying around and, and throw some of that in there too and it's sort of like a little bit of composting in in little areas so when I do that I'll either do that near plants that are growing that I think need a little extra into their soil or I will do that in the um, winter in sort of where I think I'm going to plant things so you don't have to really do a trench you can just dig a hole somewhere that you are going to put things next year and you can throw some stuff in there and then cover it back up and if you do that enough over the course of the winter in the early spring and maybe the fall if that spot's empty and you or you decide not to do a fall garden then it really can help bring a little bit there without having to do a full-on compost type thing or have enough material to do the lasagna gardening if you've never heard of lasagna gardening essentially you're taking organic matter so you're taking like dry glass grass clippings you're taking either mulch or um, leaves that have been chopped up you're taking your vegetable peelings sometimes layer those you're taking often a little bit of fresh dirt to kind of hold all that up and you're just making layers like you would a lasagna the thing to remember is that your green to brown ratio is is what people get off a lot like you don't need a 50 50 ratio that's a bad idea actually um, you need far more browns than you need greens and greens include things like your vegetable peelings and um, your grass clippings and your browns include things like paper or newspaper is pretty common and easy to get a hold of i like to tear up my cardboard pieces and put those in the compost but then if i have a spot that i'm going to kind of keep empty then i will use wet newspapers or um, cardboard sheets you know so like we buy diapers because we have a girl that's almost potty trained but we still have to buy some pull-ups and diapers and wipes and they come in boxes and so i'll just save some of those up and then when it gets to be about time i will just cut them open and lay them over each other so that they're overlapping it makes it a little stronger and a little harder for roots to kind of grow through those cracks there's no cracks and edges that way i like grass or anything to come up through that and it's a nice little weed barrier it's not 100 percent foolproof but it does a pretty good job especially cardboard versus newspaper but wet newspaper with a, a decent amount of you know not like one little layer of one sheet each newspaper you need several layers of it does the trick just as well and it does a couple of things one it helps with that weed control and two it adds in a lot of those browns because um, you need more brown than you need green okay and then a lot of times i'll lay that down and then i'll lay down um the the vegetable peelings in a nice little layer however many i have and the coffee grounds and the eggshells and the tea bags and stuff and then i'll pile on a mixture of like the grass and the leaves and then you you want to make sure the cardboard or the newspaper are wet first and then usually the vegetable peelings and all that stuff i don't have a huge problem with because it's a very thin layer for me some people are lucky and they have like a coffee shop nearby that they can get a lot of coffee grounds from or a restaurant that will give them like their peelings and things like that but i live in a really small area so i don't have any of that um, opportunity i guess is the way to say it so i will just throw what i've got on there and 
and occasionally if I think it was too thin as the winter goes on instead of digging the trench that I mentioned before or the hole then I will simply just move some of the stuff that's on the top side throw some peelings on and cover it back up so I don't really wet that second layer down very much but then I put on the grass slash leaves or mulch if you don't have those things readily available then you could just go buy some mulch that works just as well and um, I will put that down, I'll wet it down, and then I'll weigh it down with something. And over the winter, a lot of that breaks down. Now, usually the cardboard does not break down all the way. The newspapers are sometimes not totally broken down. But you can always go back in in the beginning of the spring, add some more dirt or add some more um, organic matter of some sort. Or if you do compost, add some compost on top. You can add another layer on there. Or you can simply make a little hole in the area where you put that top layer at and then throw some dirt down, stick your plant in, cover with some more dirt, press it down firmly. Over time, those layers will turn into a nice soil. Like the worms will come up and eat through the cardboard and the um, newspaper, and then it will, you know, you'll get worm droppings in there or castings, whatever you want to call them. And you'll also get other bugs and wonderful things for the dirt to come in there and all those things will break down so if you keep adding a few layers here and there around where your plants are um, and you do that over the course of several years you can have like a whole new garden or if you're not I mean if you have excess to more materials than I typically have you can put more layers on there and have a ready-made garden bed immediately but over time you will need to add more material on there because the height of it will shrink down when it is all like decomposing and turning to this gorgeous dirt. I started that a few years ago on the side of my house where I haven't had as much chance to mend, you know, because I had done that some in the front and the back and had gotten a few cycles in there. And then I tried it one year on the side. It's just I don't, I haven't done as much to that dirt and it's, um, it gets more water there. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a more problematic spot for me. So I'd done that, but I wasn't able to keep up with it at first after my daughter was born. There was just too much going on. And that's okay. Sometimes life gets us. I'm going to try that again this fall. And then hopefully I'll be able to keep up with it. And over time, I will get that that little area looking a little better too. So um, I started a compost pile. So I'm hoping to have a layer of, of at least halfway composted stuff to put on the top after all the other layers. And maybe that will help me out and kind of let it go. Um, I might have a few pots there um, or planter bags, but I will just set those on top of whatever layers I have going on. Now, the beauty of building up a garden like that is if you're not digging into the dirt and disturbing it, which if that's how you garden, it's fine. I do that plenty too. Like, I'm not a, a one-way method kind of person, but... Um, So I'm not a person that does just like one way. I'm not a one method woman, I guess. So um, there's no issue with that. But I have found when I'm not disturbing the dirt so much and I'm building up my dirt instead, that it does make uh, a lighter dirt. It makes a richer dirt. It makes one that's easier to plant some of those like root crops in or um, things that need a little more space. It's not as compacted. You're not digging it up and moving it around. It's not getting, uh, especially if you've got an area where you don't have to walk on it, then it's just not getting compacted down the same way. So that's another wonderful way to um, help out your garden if it's struggling. 
Now, other reasons that you might have failures uh, would be not enough water, like during a drought, or if you just didn't have time, and or um, you don't. Some people don't go out and water the garden. I have such a small area that I typically try to water it during the summer months when I can in the evening, at least a few times a week, and an okay watering so that my plants will do all right. Because I'm in the south, and sometimes it's really hot and humid, and uh, some of my stuff is in pots, so I'm going to water that anyway because it just doesn't get hold on to the dirt as well, or the rain in the dirt as well as it does like when you plant in ground. But if that's not something that you do, like you don't have the time or you don't have the resources or, or your garden's not set up that way, um, just try to keep an eye on it. Maybe the stuff that needs extra water, maybe just get a little watering can and water those areas like tomato plants often need a lot of water. There's nothing wrong with just watering a few plants. Now, if you've got a big garden, that's a little harder. I know some people still do it. They run a soaker hose for X amount of time, uh, once or twice a week, to give them a really good amount of water. And you can do that too. But you know, the more water you use, the more your water bill goes up usually, and everyone's um, rate of usage for their water is different. So for some people, that's not something they want to do. Uh, others, it's perfectly fine. So just keep that in mind. Too little water or too much water can really hurt a plant, especially if it's in a container that doesn't have good drainage. Uh, if you'll notice, a lot of times when you buy pots uh, or planters at the store, they don't have the holes in them already. And I don't understand that because unless you're gonna put a good layer of gravel to kind of keep your roots from getting too wet when it's things like that, you really need some drainage holes. Now, I know some people who are planting inside maybe like that and they like putting the gravel in and that's, that's maybe that's why they do it in the store. That could be a perfectly reasonable explanation for that. But it drives me batty because then you either have to fill it up with gravel or something that will, you know, make a barrier where that extra water can go at but still the plant can soak it up in the dirt or whatever. Or you have to drill some holes in there yourself. So make sure there's good drainage. Make sure that water is not just gonna be sitting on there. And listen, there's a lot of plants you don't need to water every day. Most plants you don't. Um, and the top little layer there is not always a good indicator of how wet the soil down where the roots are is. So stick your finger in that little pot, that's fine. Or stick your finger down in your dirt a little bit if it's outside. Um, and you'll find out pretty quick if if the whole thing is dry or if just that really top layer is dry. So that's what gets a lot of people, especially people who grow in containers. That top level looks dry and they put more water in and they put more water in and they put more water in. And then it just, it gets like root rot and it just dies. And you're like, what's happened? Well, that's something that can be a failure. Also, not get watering them enough if they're in containers, especially could be a failure. So check water usage. So um, I've mentioned soil, I've mentioned water. Now, other things that can happen um, are that you just, you know, like I talked about not enough nutrients of soil, but maybe you put too much in there. Maybe you put too much fertilizer in there, and that can happen a lot, um, especially if you're gardening in a small area, you know. Um, fertilizer you put on them other plants or around the other plants or wherever you put it you know could be leaching into the soil where the one you put that on there is as well so if you found that the case maybe wait a while before you put some more on there and see if it sort of improves after a little bit you can put too much on there and different plants need different amounts of different things that's why fertilizers have those different numbers so you might want to research that for what you're growing and see if that could be an issue if you don't think you know if you've checked your soil and you've checked your 
water level. It could be too much fertilizer. Even if it's an organic type of fertilizer, it doesn't have to be like um, what we typically think of fertilizer. Uh, maybe you're putting too many of a certain type of vegetable peelings in there or um, you know, just check that out. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's got too much of a good thing. That can happen to plants too, just the same as it does us. Another thing is things that are out of your control can cause a failure in gardening or a success in gardening. Um, the weather was different this year when we grew our potatoes. I got some potato seeds, some true potato seeds. It came on this little ball that kind of looked like a tiny tomato and it was on my potato plant. And I was like, what in the good googly moogly is this? And it was, that's what it was. It was a little, little thing that holds the potato uh, seeds. And so I saved those. I don't know if I'll be able to grow them or not. I'm going to start them this winter. So I'll update you guys on the podcast and on my blog. Um, for those that don't know, I also have a blog called Gardening with E. Uh, and I, I try to update them both occasionally. Uh, pod, podcast probably less than I do the blog. I try the blog at least once a week, up to three times a week. Uh, I've been a little lax on it the last little bit because uh, school started not long ago. And my work schedule went back to the normal. And my husband's back at work because he's a teacher. And everything kind of got a little off kilter. So I think we're getting back on track. But anyway, so, you know, that can cause a success in that case. Or you could just have a really dry summer or a really wet summer. Maybe it's too wet for your corn to pollinate well. You know, it's just soaking that pollen and not letting it. Or it's too windy and it's blowing the pollen to who knows where. But not your corn plants. Um, so you can have weather happen. You could have big storms come through. You could have hail. You could have heavy winds. You could have a flood. I mean, there are sometimes things that just are completely and absolutely out of your control. Mother Nature, as I said before, does what Mother Nature wants. And sometimes it's not what we want for our garden. And sometimes it is. Um, so remember, failure is not always failure on your part. And there are some times when we fail, we learn lessons from it. Like, I tried forever to grow carrots in my poor clay soil. I thought, surely this will still work. If I dig and I fluff it up and uh, try to mend it a little bit. And I, I just haven't had a single success. Well, I won't say a single success. I've had a few carrots grow, okay? And I've had one or two that grew to a decent size. For the most part, they did not grow. <laughs> and when they did, they did not grow well. And, um just you know weren't what I was wanting so to me that was a failure and the fact that I didn't get very many was also a failure and and with clay soil sometimes they hit a clump of clay and they'd grow all crazy that really doesn't bother me but to some people that would be a failure as well so um you know you may have to adjust where you put something you know you may have to look at what you've got you may have to sometimes just take it with grace and say well maybe it wasn't an outside factor. It wasn't, you know, my soil. It wasn't my water under or over. It wasn't the weather. It, you know, I didn't put too much fertilizer on there. Hopefully I put enough. Um, maybe it's just you forgot about your plants for a little while. I've done that before. Life gets in the way and you think, oh, those will be okay a few more days when I can check on them this weekend because I don't have time this week. Um, I've got work, and then I've got to cook dinner, and I've got to make sure that my son gets his homework done, and i got to make sure everybody gets everything ready for tomorrow, and that lunches are packed, and we spend a little time together, and, or maybe you're, you have um, a lot of commitments, like maybe you're a caregiver to someone else, 
in the family. Maybe someone lives with you that you take care of them. Maybe you, you go out so many times a week to help someone in your family or a friend shop and get around. I mean, I don't. everyone's got different things. Perhaps you volunteer a lot. Whatever it is that keeps you busy, maybe it kept you busy too long from your garden, and that's something you can learn. Like, that you only have X amount of time. And that's that's something I try to pay attention to. In a lot of ways, I would love to have a huge garden. It would be amazing if I could grow most of the vegetable vegetables for my family and put them back through canning or freezing them. But I can't. Like I know that about myself. What I've got now is, is about what I can manage. And in the summer, I don't have a lot of time to manage it. It's up to my husband when it's been really really dry and I've been working out of town he has had to water them and the last time I asked him to water them this summer which wasn't much because I just drove home more and was just exhausted from it um, but there were a couple weeks I just couldn't really come home a couple of nights like I had been doing and when I had done that I had just sort of watered a couple of times in the morning if they needed it and it was nice it kind of helped out but those two weeks I wasn't able to so those two weeks I asked him to check on the garden and water it and um, so it was only a couple of times, but he was feeling overwhelmed with the, with the kids and because um, I take care of a lot of that or we do it together and it was him on his own day and night and for so many nights a week and that's stressful. Um, so I'm not like throwing any shade at him. You know, I appreciate everything he does to make me keeping this full-time job possible and growing a garden even though, I mean, it's more of a hobby than anything. It's just something I enjoy doing. Uh, but... He was sent me a text back and said, look, it's all I can do to keep me and the kids alive. So next year, you're going to have to to have plants that need less. So that tells me right there, I need to figure out, maybe um, put my tomatoes somewhere that I can set up a soaker hose to make that a little simpler. You know, sometimes you just run out of time or you suddenly have a commitment that comes up that you didn't expect or that's taking more time than you expected or maybe the weather's not cooperating so your garden's taking more time than you expected. So sometimes you have to really adjust uh, what you're going to do. And if you're new to gardening, I suggest starting small um, unless you know you're going to have an unlimited amount of time. You know, start kind of slow, work your way up till you get to the point of knowing how much time you have, how much space you have, can cover and comfortably keep up with, how much time you have to harvest, uh, because that can take a little time out of your, your day as well. And the bigger your garden is, the more time that's going to take. Um, so start off small, build yourself up and see what you have time for, because that's something that gets people a lot. Um, it seems really easy when you're putting all those seeds and transplants out, but it's, it's sort of you know the workload grows as the season grows and so you've got all of that keeping them alive and keeping them staked up and happy depending on what they are and, and making sure they're as weed free as possible and keeping them watered and you know battling the weather and conditions and then um, then you have the harvest and um, I think a lot of people think all that happens at one time but a lot of times it doesn't you might have a lot of it happening at certain points during the year or your garden season but a lot of times you've got to do some harvesting as time goes on the more you harvest the more your plant generally grows and um, as far as like providing more more fruit on it or vegetables on it or whatever you want whatever term you want to use there or whatever from whatever you're growing but um, you know keeping up with that can really take up more time than people assume it will 
So think about your time, think about your space, think about all of those things and that will help you have a more successful garden. Try to keep either mental note or if you're the kind of person like me who's sort of scatterbrained, you know, write it down somewhere or put it on your phone or, or somewhere in the notes section and say, well, this did really well. I had time for this. This I need to work on a solution. And like I said, I know now I need to work on a solution for the things that are going to need a little more watering in the summer because I'm as long as I still have this job next year, it's going to be the same challenge for a couple of weeks, just the way my work schedule is. Um, so keep in mind, keep track of those so-called failures. Make note of what you think it was so that you know how to combat that the next time you grow something. You know, and sometimes you just have to accept defeat and grow it somewhere else or grow it in a new way and broaden your gardening ways. You know, like I said, I can't grow carrots in the ground around here very well. So now I've started doing them in pots and I still didn't do as well as I wanted to do. Um, but I'm gonna give it another shot this fall and see if I can have a better crop since it will be fall and carrots typically grow pretty good in the fall. So keep that in mind and make sure that your failure isn't due to you not doing a little research on the front end. Um, I know sometimes when the first few years I garden, I just threw stuff in there and I just did it. I just looked to see what would grow. Now I try to pay attention to the frost dates and if it does better in the spring and the fall or better in the summer with all the heat. I try to pay attention to how far apart it would like, although I think that one can really be played around with a lot. There are some things that do need a lot of space, but if you can grow them vertically, they need less space. So, you know, you can play with those components of it, but a lot of times the planting date, there's only so much you can play with that. Um, some things you can plant later and have a second crop, and that's perfectly fine. People do it all the time. They have multiple crops of beans, multiple crops of corn, multiple crops of potatoes, or multiple crops of um, peas and stuff. A lot of succession planting goes on. Just make sure you're doing that with plants that have enough time for that to occur. So I hope I've given you a few things to think about as far as failures go. And another thing to keep note of is your successes because maybe you did something really great. Maybe it was something you did. Maybe you got the amount of pH your soil needs perfect or you knew exactly how much to water or not water. Or maybe you picked a really good spot for that crop to grow. Or perhaps you amended your soil over winter or while you were growing it or used a different fertilizer or used a different dirt mix or changed up your compost. I don't know. Keep track of what you think might have been the cause of that. And sometimes you might not know. Sometimes, once again, it could be Mother Nature because she likes to give us good surprises just as much as she gives us bad ones. Um, but keep track of those successes and be happy with those successes. They don't have to be huge successes. I know a lot of people will watch um, the YouTube videos and read the blogs. People are keeping track of how much they're growing. And that's amazing. I'm super pumped for them when I see that. I know that's not gonna be me because I don't have the space and time for it, but I can still be really happy for them. And at the same time, be happy for myself for what I'm growing. You know, I didn't get a ton of vegetables in anything this year. Like, I got enough for us to eat. I got enough squash for us to put up some for this winter. I'm hoping to get enough beans to at least eat a mess or two and put up put up a little bit for this winter just because sometimes in the winter I get awful tired of those root crops as much as I love them. There's only so many turnips, beets, carrots, and potatoes you can eat with your meals. So sometimes it's nice to have something like that, and it's even more special when it comes from your garden. So even if you made one jar of pickles, 
or you managed to put back one of those little bags, freezer bags, of um, some sort of crop. That's still a success. Maybe for the first time your carrots grew well and they got a good size and they tasted uh, nice and they looked real good and that's a success too. Perhaps you've never grown a single thing and you managed to grow some lettuce. I don't care what it is. I don't care how big or small it is. You should enjoy those successes. You should share those successes. Heck, you can go on my blog or, or on, on my podcast and you can tell me any success you want, big or small, and I'm going to congratulate you for it wholeheartedly because that's what makes us happy when we're gardening those little successes even if they don't outweigh our failures on occasion because some years are better than others they still make make it worth doing you know gardening is one of those things that you don't know what's going to happen it you know you can plant all you want you can plant all you want you can try to um make all those factors we talked about perfect and stuff can still happen you know so it's something you just have to wait and see and that's what I think makes it exciting the little successes that go along with the failures that we have I enjoy learning something new each year uh, keeping note of it and sharing it with other people so listen um, I'm not going to bore you too much more with this talk because I feel like it's gone on a long time I sort of got off on a on a roll so to speak but share any of your successes or failures with me, and I will certainly respond back to you. I hope that um, your gardening is going well if you're gardening now, or if you're planning a gardening. I wish you the best of success with that, um, and uh, I'll just catch you all again with another topic. So happy gardening, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Gardening with E podcast. If you're enjoying these, hopefully the background on some of these is not terrible. I do several of these either in my yard, and so occasionally my daughter's in the background, and occasionally I do them in the car when I have to drive to a meeting by myself or something, and I just have time in the car. Um, so there's often, like right now, you probably hear it, there's a little background noise from the car and the road and the other cars. Um, so I apologize for that, but it's just the best use of my time. I can stick this on a speakerphone type mode and um, not have to worry. You know, I'm hands-free, so don't worry. I'm not being reckless, and I can pay attention to everything and, and do all my normal driving. Uh, but it does make it easier for me to be able to make podcasts. So hopefully um, the sound quality in those is not terrible. But I hope you're enjoying them. If you are, you might want to check out my blog at Gardening with E as well because it's just a different format. I don't always cover the same topics. A lot of times my blog is showing updates on my garden or giving you a little bit of um, words of wisdom or maybe sharing a recipe. It's kind of a little bit of a mix um, to go with the garden or the produce that I get from the garden. And so it doesn't really follow what I'm doing on my podcast most of the time. So it's just another another little outlet that I have for gardening. Um, it's one of my passions. I joke all the time that while I'm only um, in my late 30s, which I, I hear is the new 20s, so I should say I'm in my late 20s. But um, I really like doing things that are really down to earth. Like my one of my grandmother's grandmothers makes homemade quilts by hand so I do that I've been known to turn a few pairs of pants into or a few skirts into a pair of pants by hand so I like to sew by hand for some reason me and the sewing machine don't get along we sort of go round and round with each other I don't get the tension right I don't thread it right I don't know it's not something that's 
currently in my wheelhouse. It's something I want to tackle at some point when my youngest is older and I have time to devote to figure out what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> but I do like to sew by hand. It's calming, it's relaxing. You just need a needle, thread, pair of scissors, and whatever you're working on and some pins and you can stick all that in a little bag and take it anywhere with you so when i travel with work um i often am sewing on the bus trips um and i work with high school students who usually take at least one long trip a year and they're always like oh miss amy miss amy what are you what are you making now and so um you know that's something i enjoy doing i love to read i don't read as much as i used to um I've more blogs than books, I suppose now, but it's something I've always grown up enjoying. We didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, and so books were fantastic because we would go to like yard sales or when the schools are giving books away, or um, just find a good sale somewhere and get plenty of books. And we often pass them around in the family so everybody got to enjoy the books. So I like to read, I like to sew, and I like to garden and spend time with my family. Um, Occasionally, I like to go places and do things that I suppose are more hip and fun, but those are really my main like hobbies and passions and stuff. So I like to share that with people who um, also enjoy it, especially gardening. I haven't really made any blogs or podcasts or anything on the others, um, just because I'm probably not, uh, I don't read enough now to do some sort of blog or podcast on it, and I'm not as knowledgeable about sewing, I suppose. I haven't done it as long as I have gardening. I sort of just stab the needle in and out, and I know a few stitches, and um, I'm learning as I go. Although I guess I could share it, maybe, but uh, for now I'm focusing on sharing my gardening passion because, you know, I've been doing it off and on for the most part for about a decade, uh, which does not still make me um, a guru about it or anything. I've had a lot of success, a lot of failure, a lot of trial and error. I don't grow on a huge scale because I don't have the time <laughs> to do that. Um, so I'm more of like on the small gardening, uh, know some information, but I've tried a lot of things and you know, I researched those things. So I listened to podcasts, I watched YouTube videos of gardeners and I read blogs for the most part, occasional books, get into a gardening group chat and stuff. And I think one day I'll do a podcast and perhaps make that podcast and blog post match and put a little something on there about um, the resources that I've used over the years and certain gardening things that I like to listen to or watch or read um, just to give you guys some more ideas because there's some really great people who probably know a lot more than I do. Um, but yeah, so um, I love to garden and um, I like to share it. So. I guess I was gonna share today mostly. I'll probably get off on another tangent somewhere in here. I hope you enjoy tangents and stories if you're listening to this podcast. But um, share some of the creative ways that you can, well, save a little money on your garden. I covered that some in the Gardening with Kids Saving Money podcast. I don't know if that's the exact name of it, but you should be able to find it under the Gardening with Kids area pretty easy. Um, but. It's also fun to be creative in the garden, not just to save money and reuse things, but also so that you can enjoy what you're looking at or find something funny in things that you have used. So I'll just jump right into that since I've taken up probably five minutes or more of me rambling. <laughs> but uh, the first way that you can be creative is what you start your seeds in. You can start them in about anything as long as you can put dirt in it and it's got some drainage. Um, 
you're good to go. I mean, I've used old yogurt containers. I've used the things I've got other transplants in, those little transplant trays. I've used actual seed starter trays. I have used, um, well, really jugs. I did winter sowing in jugs. One year I wasn't as successful at that. I'm gonna try that again sometime and, and update you, you guys on that and have a whole, whole little information session about it. But um, just about anything can be used for that. It's a great way to, you know, get into the redu reduce, reuse, and recycle. Um, also, the supports that I put my plants up on um, are not always typical. Like right now, I just have like this red little fence thing that you can buy more sections to. It's not like a hardcore fence like a lot of people use. I hope to one day feel justified in spending the money for that, I suppose. But it's just like a little little fence you could use a gardening and i've used it a few times because it can fold up into like a triangular triangular pattern to support like a tomato plant but a lot of times i just set it out and that's what i grow my cucumbers or my peppers or my squash or a few tomato plants on well this year i really overloaded it i put three tomato plants and a cucumber snuck in and we've got some beans so it started leaning forward because it was too much weight and I just went out under my tree. There had been a storm recently. I guess I'm in my car now, so you might hear the rain as currently. Um, it's raining now too. But, um, and it had knocked down some limbs that weren't huge, but weren't like too small either. And um, they were long enough to sort of brace it up along with an old broom handle. And that's just what I did. I mean, nothing fancy, nothing amazing. I just, whatever I have is generally what I use. It's a great way to be creative in the garden. Garden, And it actually, I might, you know, the next storm, maybe after this one, depending on how the winds get, maybe I can get me another um, stick and move the old broom handle because the um, branches that I was using, one of them started growing mushrooms. I need to probably research and see if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> Like if they're poisonous or not but i just told my kids not to eat it for now but it looks really beautiful and really natural it didn't cost me even a penny you know um so look around we all have those you know mops that get old or the brooms that get old and then you stick it outside to use it as your outside broom and then eventually the whole darn thing falls apart i save those broom handles because i can use them later um Sometimes I will buy the stuff from the store. I think most people would agree with me. While I used tomato cages this year, I didn't use a tomato cage of mine to actually grow tomatoes on. I used uh, one as a uh, support for some cucumber to grow up and it just overgrew it like my tomatoes always do. Um, I've used it to put peppers in. I've used it to grow beans and peas up. You can use different things for whatever purpose you find for it. You know, I had bought those. I really don't like them. I'm gonna try to find a more permanent solution. Um, that's still movable because I have a small garden area. I move my plants around all the time. So I'm not growing the same thing in the same spot every year. But I need to find another solution for those that's a little more heavy duty. Now my Papaw Bill, he brought us a tomato plant. He kept it in a pot because like my soil sucks as we've discussed. It's awful and clay and it's just, uh, even he was like, this is terrible. And I was like, I know, <laughs> I'm working on it. But um, he used actual fencing and somehow put it in a circle and put it together and it is strong and sturdy and big and it is I'm gonna have to see how he does that and see if he can like hook me up with a couple more they were really good but you know you can use anything you have on hand and let's say you don't have a lot on hand you can make things sometimes um, a lot of people support their beans and stuff by like bean poles as my mom says 
and she just goes out and she finds some some little like little well not little they're long but not real wide sticks and and ties them bad boys together in a teepee and grows her beans right up them but you don't even have to have certain support you can grow beans up corn or peas up corn corn stalks or something like that so even if you don't have a big enough space to plant a ton of something you can be like me and have the philosophy that my corn this year was mostly bean support it was not a super producer that's fine it's still holding up my bean plants so that's pretty fantastic um, so just see what you have and use it. Some people get really creative in their garden and they do things like old tires and make those into flower beds and um, or old, like I've even seen like a commode with uh, flowers in it. That was actually a lot cuter than it sounds. That's probably not as common in places that are not in the south. But I'm just saying, if you find anything, you can literally use it for any purpose that you want when you're gardening. Um, as long as you clean it out good, it should be all fantastic. I've seen a lot of people with bathtubs make garden, sort of like a raised garden bed in the bathtub, and they just put some drainage holes in the bottom, and you'll obviously need more dirt for that, you know, but it makes a, a ready-made garden, you know, raised garden bed. They're not bending down as far. Um, it's not as high as a lot of people like if you have mobility issues, but, you know, it does work for a little less stooping, and it does work, to, like if you have soil like mine, it, it would work to have a whole new batch of soil there, you know, in that and away from all that. Um, so just get creative out there. Find uses for things that that you just have laying around. Hopefully the rest of you are not quite as cluttered as I can get at my house sometime. Between the kids and me and the husband, we're actually in the process of trying to declutter. Uh, it's going much slower than I expected. So um, I'm gonna try to repurpose some things. <laughs> as we go along and then just get rid of some things by donating and and then i may just throw some stuff out i hate to do it but um we're we were overrun with random things but um see told you i get off on tangents just use what you have or use what someone's getting rid of or um you know find something that's cheaper and then use it for another purpose I've seen people use all kinds of things. You can also kind of make your own garden art. And let me tell you, making your garden cute doesn't have to be expensive. The Dollar Tree, the Dollar Store, Family Dollar, places like that have some really cute little odds and ends you can put in there to decorate your garden or garden signs or just make your own sign for crying out loud. That's perfectly acceptable too. It doesn't have to be this picture perfect magazine ready garden to be a place that makes you happy. You know, what will you either find humor in or find enjoyment in or somehow make pleasing to your own eye and do that? It doesn't matter if someone else thinks it's crazy. Is it their garden? Is it their yard? Now, if it's like you're renting somewhere, you might need to find out before you stick stuff in the yard. But if, if it's your yard for all intents and purposes um, and you own that yard or you've got the house on that and you don't have a bunch of homeowner association rules, then go crazy. Do whatever you want. Now, if you are living somewhere that you're renting from or you do have a homeowner association, you need to get permission before you do certain things. But um, even people with very strict rules can still grow things. Like maybe your garden has to be ornamental. You know, some places don't want you just growing food, which to me makes very little practical sense in the world. Because honestly, we need more people to grow more food, not less food, in my opinion. But I don't make the rules at a lot of places, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, 
but you can find ways around that. There are some beautiful, beautiful ornamental vegetables out there. You've got Swiss chard, you've got kale, you've got, um, you know, even carrots. Tops can be very beautiful, and if you just stick those in random places, people might not even know that's what you've got there. They're gonna think it's some really cool looking plant. Um, you know, chives look beautiful when they bloom. Um, garlic has a pretty bloom. Some people use sweet potatoes, not so much to get the potatoes, but to have that ground cover. They can use it as a ground cover crop, or they might use it um, just to look beautiful because they do have some beautiful blooms. Um, so keep that in mind. You might have to be creative where you live to even have a garden that grows things. I mean, I usually talk about food because I'm not always the most successful at flowers. But, you know, the same same holds true for flowers. And if you're living in a place that's like, we don't want you growing this or that, it's got to fall under these certain guidelines, look at those guidelines and find ways to make it work. Find ways that you can be creative and make it work. And if you can't plant it outside, get you some beautiful, um, pots or something or make some beautiful pots or repurpose something if it if it's going to fall in your regulations and put it out on your patio or porch or balcony depending on where if you're renting somewhere and you're in an apartment building and you really don't have a porch a balcony a yard you can do some great container gardens in a sunny area of your house i mean anything can be a garden i don't care if you've got one potted plant there if that's your garden then so be it that's your garden and you can take as much joy and satisfaction in that one little little pot of whatever you're growing as people can out of a whole huge field um, just get creative with it let's say you have limited space and you're in a container garden you only have enough space that's that meets the requirements for sunniness and that you can do um, you know just maybe change it up every now and then or pick something that has um, you know pretty foliage and pretty blooms and might bloom more than once or a vegetable that kind of serves two purposes or a vegetable you could succession sow and then put something else in there that's fine find a way to make it grow up i've had a lot of container plants in my house um, until the more recent years after i had my daughter she's still a little young and sometimes that stuff just gets poured out on the floor so i kind of stopped that and kept most of it outside Plus, it drives my husband a little batty because he's not as into gardening as I am. But that's okay because I care very little about wrestling and he is a huge fan of it. And football. Um, and, and curling during the Olympics. Now, I'm not judging anybody. You can like what you want and get enjoyment out of what you want. But we're not all going to get enjoyment out of the same thing. So, it's okay if you can't do everything you want. And it's okay if the items that you use are different and it's okay if you plant weird combinations together as long as it works for you um go for it so get out there get creative repurpose things think of think of ways to make your garden have more space by growing vertically be creative on the the vertical um supports that you put up try to make some things pretty that you really didn't think could be pretty or um, just however you want to interpret that getting creative I want you to go out and just be creative with something in your garden um, I think it's just amazing when people do that <clears throat> so anyway I hope that while I didn't give as many ideas as I was hoping to I'm hoping that maybe I gave you just a touch of inspiration about um, getting out in your own garden and you know bending the rules a little bit and finding reuses for things and 
I don't know. I just hope it gave you a little something or you at least enjoyed all my rambling. Um, at any rate, go out, think of new ways to do things. Be creative in what you grow. You can always just grow new things and that to me is creative as well. But um, go out and do something with your garden. Happy gardening, y'all.